insight, banter, and comedy? It's Behind the Line Radio with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Line Radio. As anyone who's a regular listener to Behind the Line Radio or really other shows on Enthusiast should know, I am in Video Game QA. I've been in Video Game QA for quite some time, and there is uh, probably a lot of interesting stuff that can be said about it. And, you know, we've talked about it some before. Uh, in fact, one recent story is about how the developers of No Man's Sky apparently didn't really have much in the way of QA working on their project. They're, you know, talking about working with Sony to get more QA on it than they had developers on it. And it's kind of a strange thing how an indie game can come out with uh, so little... It, it's an indie game, but it came out, it has all these problems with it, it had so much hype. I don't know. Because from my history, just to give you a little background of myself, when I started in in video game in the video game industry, I obviously started in QA. Came from a comp side background, got a bachelor's in it, and people would come up to me and say, "So, what do you what do you want to do in the future?" With the assumption back then being, you can't stay in QA forever. If you want to stay in the games industry, you have to go somewhere else. And I was sitting there thinking, I think I can stay in QA because. Games are pretty complicated as it is right now at the time, and it's only going to get more complicated, and you're going to need skilled people to test these things. And now it's quite obvious that you do need skilled people to test these things. And to kind of talk about this and give some more other perspective, I've got a couple of my old uh, running mates, you might say. Uh, joining us again is Marco. How are you doing today, Marco? Pretty good, thanks for having me, Nick. All right. And uh, uh, a new guest to Behind the Line Radio and Enthusiacs in general, uh, real old vet to the game, uh, Rue. Welcome to the show. Well, it was nice to have me until you called me old. Ah. <laughs> you know that ain't what I meant. But nice to be here regardless. <laughs> ah, so, um, I don't really have too much on the... Uh, on a like a format for the show here. <laughs> I tend to wing it, so um why don't we uh why don't we just kind of talk about how things were like in QA back in the day when we all started. Um I know I for one started on a, a really large team and it was the kind of philosophy apparently at the time was just grab people off the street, throw it at the game, spend a whole bunch of man hours on it and and see what happens. Uh Marco, why don't you start? Um, my first experience in QA was, uh, very interesting. It, they didn't so much take people, uh, anyone off the streets, because it was, it was a fairly large publisher, uh, at the time, I guess. Um, but they had a small QA, so they, they were a little more strict about, uh, who they brought in. Actually, I remember when I started there, I had, like, interviews with nine different people, mm-hmm. uh, that day from, all different kinds of people like IT guys and, you know, hardware guys and engineers and QA and HR and management and all, all kinds of people. It was, uh, it was a little, uh, shocking because I, I wasn't really expecting that for a QA position. And, uh, um, the environment there was <laughs> very interesting. It was very much a, a, a vulture like environment where, you know, there wasn't a lot of equipment. 
um, you had your console on a TV, but not everybody had a computer or any other, you know, uh, things for work, work supplies or anything like that. So whenever somebody was let go, it was kind of a free for all of who could get over there and, uh, take things the quickest so that you actually had stuff. Um, I was luckily or lucky that, uh, when I started, someone had just left and I, I took that space and there was a PC <laughs> there. Um, unfortunately it was like a Pentium two and, uh, it was pretty terrible. It couldn't run internet explorer and word at the same time. It was one or the other. Oh wow. So, uh, so, uh, you know, I had to <laughs> take my choice and then it, it can, it couldn't run the database at the same time. So it, it was kind of like a one program computer. Uh, but, uh, it was interesting when I started there, it was pretty small. Um, we had a, a pretty large bay area and there was four of us in each bay, but by the time I left, they were hiring so many people. Um, it was about 10 people in a bay by the time I left in the same space that they had four in originally. Oh, wow. So it was, uh, yeah, that was my first experience in QA. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, kind of. You talking about that machine remind me of one job where I actually had an e-machine, if anyone remembers those, but I think my oh. e-machine must have been more powerful than your thing. I think so. This was this was a pretty pretty bad machine, but to be honest, I was lucky to have one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rue, how about you? Uh, I'm along the lines of Marco where I came in to a time where they were kind of mass hiring. Um, it was a bigger company. Um, it was, you know, I didn't have a ton of people interviewing me. I think I had two people. One was a a QA uh, lead and a QA supervisor wasn't even the manager. Um, whether it was at that time, I don't know, but you know, it was a real, it was, it was a simple interview. It was not what they do today. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, the, uh, the computer problem is definitely the biggest thing I have to agree with. And it drives me nuts. Um, the, we, we, I too had to share, share a computer with four other new people that had come in. Um, and I was lucky to a point at that time also that, you know, there weren't any bug counts or something like that because, you know, you find these bugs, other people are finding them and then running to the computer and putting them in before you could put them in, you know, mm. and to tell you the truth, it really sucked. Um, it, uh, and, you know, like, it, you know, I enjoyed it still, you know, it was first QA job ever. So you're like, you know, you want to do the best you can and, you know, all that crap. Uh, I had, um, I don't know. I had, I had a reasonably cool people, uh, that I was working with. Um, I had a good lead. Um, he was basically more goofing around at the time here and there, but, um, when it came to work, you know, we worked, but the biggest eye opener that I had was the 12 hour days right off the, right off the bat. I mean, oh, yeah. 12 hours days, first time on the floor, you know, it was like, are you kidding me? So yeah, that was a, that was an eye opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, hmm. well, you, you should too know, Mr. Nick, we did work at that same place together. Yeah. So, uh, 
you know, I, I'm sure you had the, it, you know, you probably hit the ground running too. And at that time, um, you know, that was a super mass hiring over 200 something people. Yeah. Um, because I was doing the interviews at that time. Hmm. So that was rough. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, I, I remember it, it was, it was there. I feel kind of fortunate in that when I got my first position, there was actually formal training that happened and i kind of i mean i I don't know exactly there was like grading and stuff that went into it and so forth and i really don't know in retrospect how hardcore some of that stuff was rather than maybe just like scaling how good the evaluation of the applicants was but um i i I do feel that it uh that that training that i got it was how formal it was was probably pretty rare, and it probably helped me out a lot in retrospect. But yeah, once I got out of the training, it was like I think I think I had twelve twelve maybe fourteen hour days my first week. It was nuts, and that project very soon became twelve to fourteen hour days, seven days a week. There there mm-hmm. was there was no weekends, and and I mean it was crazy because you had. Like the 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 leads didn't go home; they slept in in sleeping bags under the desk, and it was it was um you could <laughs> it was probably not the most productive way to go about doing things, but it's the way things were done there. So, um yeah, it was it was pretty crazy, but it it also at least uh for my my little sort of corner of things, it was you know you got started pretty young. There was a bunch of young kids working on it. You had a ton of energy to be able to keep working these stupid hours and you just threw yourselves into it and you kind of had this band of brothers thing going on it it uh it probably oh, yeah, went about and... the it probably went about happening the wrong way but it it kind of wound up with good results on a personal level i would say well yeah but you know you're looking you, you talk about the guys that were sleeping under the desk which i know all about for some of them you know, when you round that corner and you look down and it's like, good morning, Rue, and you look down under this, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, where'd you come from? But at that time, you know, um, we were making $8 an hour, you know, and to take like one guy had to go back to Richmond and, you know, it takes a toll when you go to the bar and all that and, you know, all that. And he was taking a taxi home and. Boy. He says it's just too expensive. It's not worth it for me to go back home. I might as well just you know lay you know lay here. And then you had the damn security, who you know it was messed up. But there was also you could go to the uh, you know if you were good, you could go to certain parts of the building and know where you know security would didn't go to and you know take a nap or fall asleep overnight there. I mean you know you could go wake up the next morning, go to the gym and shower. You know, clean towels and everything, deodorant, you know, and you were set. I mean, it was, it was a horrible, but I don't, I, you know, I can't blame anybody that, you know, stayed the night there. And then, you know, like you said, I mentioned it when we had all that training for two weeks. And our my training was not just finding bugs, but we had to learn how to put PCs together. You know, <laughs> where does the RAM go? What slot does it go? You put it in. And that was how you became a tester was if you pass these tests, then you're, you know, you're in, you know, and I think there was a total of, I don't know, maybe 12 people, 10 people that made it through the class, maybe out of 15. Hmm. So, um, 
yeah, and uh, it was. It, I'm not saying it was hard, but it wasn't easy either. You know, that yeah. was then. Now, when I do, you know, for interviews and stuff like that, there's no test. I I don't know what they would do as a test. I mean, you know, uh, you, I suppose you could, but I think it's a, a waste of time. I mean, I can find more. I know if you're a tester just by interviewing you and your answers. That I, I don't need you to test. Just tell me what you know. Tell mm-hmm. me what I want. Give me the correct answer so I know if you can test. That's me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Testing, uh, to be a good tester requires a certain mindset, and it doesn't really involve your previous experience. It doesn't really involve your previous education or skills that you can write down on a resume. It's an aptitude. That's my opinion, at any rate. Yeah, and there's more to it than just, I don't care if you know every single answer. I don't care... You know, how good you think you are and you can do all this. There's other factors, there's other little minor factors that play into it. One is, if you stink and I can smell you across the interview <laughs> table, I'm not hiring you. Yeah. If I feel you're not going to be a good fit and, you know, you're like coming in, you know, you, you just have that vibe where you're wicked and I just don't like you, I'm not going to hire you. Not because you you don't know it is you have to fit in to a group of people and one bad apple in that group will make the rest of them bad because they're either not, you know, there's problems oh, going to yeah. arise and problems even arise with the people who do work well together. You're in with them. You know, this is back then you're in with them 12, 14 hours. You're, you're closer to these people than you are your own family. And, you know, when I did interviews, and I asked every single interviewer or interviewee, whichever the case may be, whoever came in for the job, I asked them, "Are and I told them, are you ready to kiss your family and friends goodbye? They thought I was kidding, but I wasn't. You know, you are telling them basically goodbye because you're going to go home at 12. You're off at 12, maybe at home 12, 30, 1 o'clock, sleep, and you're going to get back up at 8, 8.30. And you got to be at work at nine, you know. That's the way it is. And, and if you're, you're and you know, if you're commuting from farther away, it's going to be getting back later and coming and right. getting up to leave earlier. Right, you you have to. Damn dog. <laughs> um, but you know, it's but like I said, I mean, times have changed some, so I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, the people don't. I'm not saying all of them, but a lot of people don't realize what it was like. Um back then and especially working 12 hour days for eight ten bucks an hour fuck that what the hell were we thinking <laughs> well i mean at the same time once you get past 12 hours and you start making double time that's what actually gets you to make money well sometimes though too that some of the companies knew better and would uh not um just cut you off at those 12 hours because they knew they were going to pay out the nose doing that but yeah some big companies don't really care because they have an open checkbook. Hey, here, here's one for you. I worked at one place that did a really shady thing where and, – and if you're listening and you're from there, you know what you did. But uh, they, they had the testers classified as independent contractors instead of temporary contractors. And it doesn't sound like a big difference, but – for one thing, it made us file taxes quarterly. For another thing, 
it uh, uh, it was a tax dodge because of how Social Security taxes work and how you have to write it off and things. It basically forced more Social Security tax onto the workers instead of what would be off of our pay stubs and onto the employer's pay stubs. So it was a really shady tax dodge to make it look like they were paying us more. I mean, I understand that an employer has to reserve a certain amount of money aside to pay people, and I think hiding taxes from employees is is weird and shady, but that's how it's done. So I'm glad you brought that up because I work for a company too like that. And oh, I, I, I got one more thing to point out here though too. Sure. Because that employer, in addition to this tax dodge, uh, uh, I knew one guy who worked into double time there and did not get paid double time and wrote, I don't know if it was the CEO or, or something, but he wrote one of the big wigs there and and got an email back saying, you're lucky we pay you overtime. We don't have to because you're an independent contractor, mm. <laughs> which is which is so wrong. Actually, a bunch of us left and filed SS8 forms with the IRS and got our, our uh, Social Security taxes back. So let that be a lesson out there. All you workers out there, read up on what your actual rights are. It can come in handy and save you money. I took mine. I had that thing. I was an independent contractor at a certain place. And, of course, you know, I had to do all my, you know, they paid me, but they didn't take out any of the taxes or any of that crap. And so I went to, I don't know, H&R Block. There's a free little promo for all I care. And I I talked to the guy. He goes, he was your independent contractor, and I said, yeah, and I explained the job to him. He says, really? And I said, yeah, I'm not used to paying. He says, did you use their equipment, or, or did you use your own? I said, well, I use theirs. You know, they provide me everything. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah. He says, no, no, you are a uh, different type of contract, an yeah. employee, but an, a contractor employee. They're trying to get out paying taxes, so you – can go ahead and shift it back to them and they will have to pay it because they will not if they if anybody was to come up to you of course they back up their work which is why i said okay fine because they'll pay for it if anybody disputes it and you can just point it to them and go pound sand and tell them yep so i didn't have to i didn't have to pay the taxes at all i ended up getting a whole hundred bucks back (laughs) yay it's a hundred bucks but But uh, yeah i mean you do need to know your your rights and stuff like that, and especially double time. Oh come now! I mean, that's just that's crazy. They, if they're not going to pay you double time, you got to get you know. I know you need the job, but get the hell out of there and bring it up. <laughs> when when uh, when that happened to, to my friend, I had I had left at the time, and uh, we were joking that because when I left, he got a two dollar an hour raise, and <laughs> I was saying that. Oh, if, if they're going to insist that you're an independent contractor, you should just not show up to work and subcontract it out to me for that $2, and I'll just do a crappy <laughs> job because I'm only making $2. <laughs> well, if you think of it this way, though. If you are an independent contractor, you know, I tell, you know, fuck it. Okay, then I come into the office. I'll just work from home every day. You can't yeah. tell me what to do. No. Mm-hmm. Bite me, you know. I mean, well, you have to report to the office. No, I'm an independent contractor. I'm doing the work. You can't bust me for it. If you're going to do it, then we got a problem. I mean, you if, either. If they're going to classify you as that, then it's up to them to, you know, mm-hmm. make good <laughs> you, on it. 
Yeah, you can just make them accept the consequences of classifying you as an independent contractor. Right. right. But the bad thing about it, California is it's basically fire at will. I mean, you can let anybody go just about for just for no reason, you know. But they do have to cover, um, and this is where they worry a little bit, is once it starts building up, is they have to pay the unemployment fee, you know. Because, hmm. you know, if you hire 10 people and you screw up, say, oh, hey, we don't need you after a month. Well, guess what? You're still stuck paying them unemployment. Yeah. Until they find, you know, until it runs out or whatever. Now, how much you get, I don't know, but but they are in charge of that. I think one big certain uh, place is, phenom- you know, known for making a, re- you know, a resolved do- revolving door where people, oh, we'll, we'll take you for three months. We'll let you go, and, but we'll take you back in three months, maybe. Maybe, you know. Sony, that, uh, yeah, well, that whole thing is because of the whole, you know, avoiding co-employment and avoiding permit temp status because you don't want temp workers sticking around too long because then you kind of, at some point, you're going to uh, cross a bridge where they have to be considered full-time employees. And, you know, Microsoft got sued over that one. So it's it's tricky because there's no actual legal definition for where that line is. So that's why it's like six months on, six months off, or three months on, three months off, or a year but on, I think, six months off, and all that kind of right. thing. Right, and Sony used to do that a lot with their testers. Three months on, three months off, take your unemployment, we hire you back. You know, it, it it's a smart move on their part, in my opinion, because these guys are already familiar with it. You don't have to retrain them. You know, keeps yeah. the cost low. Don't have to pay the health benefits. I, I know it's a lot of thing. places have done that. So, but you know, back then when we were young, and we don't have, you know, either you're living with your parents or you have super low rent, you could do that. Hey, give me three months off and I'll sleep, and you, you know, government <laughs> pay me unemployment. You know, <laughs> you know that's your tax dollars at work, folks. But <laughs> you know, what are you gonna do? I mean, but that's just the way it was. I mean, but then again. Here's where it hurts the, you know, honest to God, this is where it kills the gamers because you're getting half decent or subpar testers. You're not keeping the best of the best. Which is and what I was sucks. saying there too is about how eventually you have to have quality testers sticking around. You know, people who understand, people who aren't just, you know, you know, playing the game to play the game to try to see what might happen, but who can look at a system and say, I think I can break it this way. Great. And those and people are worth more money and should demand more money. Like the Joker and Judge Greg say, if you're good at something, never do it for free. <laughs> I'll agree with that. <laughs> and and some of it is because there was, a long time ago, less so now, although it's I'm sure it's not completely gone, a kind of ingrained impression that testing was grunt work, monkey work. You could get anybody to do it. And it was just very disrespected, and that's where it got to just grab more people and throw more people on it. It was just a question of the the number of hours that was spent on the project. Yeah, with the, as many testers as you can put on, cheap as can be, and throw them on there. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was not the way to go. Yeah. It, um, and yeah. it showed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've I've seen some projects that I think got into panic mode that because they wanted to try to save money and the project was not going well and at the end they just poured people onto it 
and I'm reasonably sure that it was because at the end, the, uh, the, um, it was, it wasn't the QA manager. It was someone above him, like a studio head or something wanted to just say, look, here's the number of hours we spent on QA. Oh, never mind that they were all spent in the last two weeks by people who didn't have any time. So we couldn't find these issues in time to actually do anything about them. It's like, look at all the hours we spent. Yeah. That's a pretty common thing with, uh, people in the industry or used to be anyway is just throw man hours at it and it doesn't matter what the quality is it doesn't matter that you're working them 24 hours a day and they're delirious for you know half the week but you can see like yeah we spent you know 200 hours on it that that used to be a pretty common thing in my first qa job too was just we need this many hours on it It didn't really matter why didn't matter if they're quality hours just we needed to get hours on it and that that was the requirement and, and sometimes that usually you wind came up with the it the other way around. Yeah. Sometimes you wind up with it the other way around, where someone has a pet project and they want more hours on it than it needs. Or you, or you know, another variation of that is, oh, you got to put hours on it, but you got a build that's been it's been the same build for two weeks. It's it's mm-hmm. stagnant. It's it's you're looking at old code. It doesn't apply to what the engineers are working on anymore, and you've probably run it pretty dry. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, it's not, my favorite was taking a uh, here you've got oh we've got two days to get this you know ironed out we need more hours like you're all saying let's take the boxing team and put them on the golf team and let them test it and they don't <laughs> yeah. know shit about golf <laughs> kidding they don't know what it what what's a birdie I didn't see any birds fly on the green. <laughs> How, how, how did I, I, I think the score list at the end is in the wrong order. It's got the lowest at the top and the highest at the bottom. Right. And that's what they would do. These guys didn't know anything about the game. I'm a believer in fresh eyes. Yes. But bring on fresh eyes. They either know something about the game or what you're bringing. Why are you bringing them on for fresh eyes? For, you know, uh, standards, for, you know, art or, you know, something. But, just don't throw people on that don't know anything about the game. That's bull. I mean, you're not going to get anything. Yeah. Exactly. You need you need to focus them somehow. Hmm. Yeah. And like I said, it all kind of... I, I, I think a lot of it just boils down to, in the end, thinking that, you know, anybody can do it. Just uh, an hour is an hour, and there is no qualitative difference depending on who might be doing it or the tools surrounding them as they do it. I mean, earlier you spoke about um, not having a computer, possibly. So you'd have to, you know... Uh, I, I haven't worked at a place that did this exactly, but I've, I've heard of other places that did it where, you know, there's a whole bunch of people working on a console game, and there's one computer for, say, ten people. So if you see a bug, you have to go up to the database computer to enter the bug. And well, I would first hope you would look for the bug first and make sure it's not a dupe. Well, that okay, that's where <laughs> things also come in, come in weird because you're going to wind up with a line at the computer because mm-hmm. you're going to have a huge-ass bottleneck there because, man, if you have a prolific tester who's writing a lot of good bugs, guess what? They're going to have a lot to enter, and they're going to spend a fair amount of their time just writing up bugs. And, right. it, it, you I, know, it's not losing time. It's just, you know, they, they have a lot to enter. I did work at a place like that, and not only, you know, was that an issue, but, like, you know, you would find bugs all day. You would sit there, then you'd write them up, then you go print them out. Sometimes people would steal your printout, (laughs) take your (laughs) apologies, and then you would take that printout to the lead, 
the lead would have to review it before you even went to the the uh to the computer to look up to see if they were in there already and then got to enter them so it was this hugely like long process and just a complete waste of time because you know a rube goldbergian bug entry system (laughs) yeah that's the way it was though it was uh pretty pretty chaotic and we need to add more bottlenecks yeah yeah uh and then they did the same thing too where you know you worked all day on one project but if a project needed overtime they would send everybody to that project for you know uh the rest of the day so and then you didn't really know much about it, and then you'd go ask the lead questions, and they'd get all pissed off that everybody's asking them questions, and it, it was just, it was a huge cluster, and it was just, was not efficient. That was one of the most inefficient places I've ever had. <laughs> but, but, a, another problem with that, too, the whole, you know, bottleneck at the entry system, like Rue was saying, you know, you, you don't want to be writing up a duplicate bug, something that's already in the system, so, Say you, you see some bugs, you write it down on your notepaper, there's a line at the computer, you're getting in, and then so you're not testing, you're just waiting in line, you're, you know, in a productivity sense, wasting time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing it as good as you can with the tools given, but uh, let's say someone in front of you has already entered the system, entered the bug that you just found and wanted to enter into the database, and then you get there and you find it's already been entered, it's like, great, all the time you spent in line was just wasted. Yep. It's terrible. Yeah, back back then, but I don't think I, I can truthfully say there is no way any company works like this anymore because no, if they do, no. you, you might as well just close down people, get the fuck out of town, <laughs> you're done. Just yeah. leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are just blowing it. You know, we yeah. you know, if we were lucky and we had a cool leak, you might be able to use their computer, but you know, there uh, sometimes it wasn't and well, now, nowadays, seriously, nowadays, if you're testing some, almost anything you can be testing on should probably be able to access your database, especially if you're using... A smartphone. I, uh, I would have entered my damn bugs from my phone. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. oh, yeah, that's another thing was freaking security. It's like, uh, uh, no no, no cell phones. You're not allowed to have cell phones back in the day because of security and, and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Please. Yeah, that, that, that will not fly these days. You're going to have to f- come up with something more clever than that. No, I mean, come on. I mean, there's no reason. Even these, I, I know we have all NDAs, you know, okay, you know, but even then, it's not going to help. I mean, we, we can we can all play by the rules, but come on. If, if somebody really wants to be a dick or really take something or you piss somebody off, that's not going to stop them. They can just go out there anonymous, you know, anonymous, you know the word, sons of bitches, <laughs> and, and throw, you know, and throw it out there, you know. Yeah. Yep. And you know it's, what, uh, though? Like, as, as far as leaks go, I'd say the majority, of, from my experience, the majority of them aren't from QA. Most yeah. of them from marketing, at, at least in my experience. When That's stuff gets out, when stuff gets out, it's from marketing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I even have, I, I even have, um, I, I, I don't even exactly know how or why this happened, but I wound up with, uh, like alpha. There might even be a pre-alpha in there, but like this stack of discs of, I'm not going to name the game, but you've heard of it. Uh, I, I have them. I, it, it, so I could, I could show you pre-release discs of a game. It, it has since been released. It's, it's not recent, but you, you've heard of it. Uh, so yeah, like just build security like that. If if someone really wanted to, they could they could get something out. 
even even if you have you know in office security systems in place or like key gen things to to limit access and so forth it's just but yeah with smartphones these days it's just not going to work and and of course if you're working in mobile and you're working on smartphones there is absolutely no way around that but again yeah. that's something that that limiting your cell phone access uh, uh, cell phone use in the office and uh not having a computer is probably pretty much a relic of a bygone era and if like you said, if if you're listening to this and you're working at a place that does something like that, look for a new job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So who are we kidding? Go up to production. You know, I remember going up to production, you know, and see these developers. We had to lock up our builds. You know, don't let a build, sit, you know, out <laughs> yeah. laying around unattended or you're fired. Go yeah. up there. They got like five different discs all over the place, scratched up. Hey, you know. It's, I'm like, come on with the double standards. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that used to just tee me off. Well, and that kind of speaks to how much less respect QA had at the time. And, you know, over the years, I think that's that's improved quite significantly. And um, I, I actually went to GDC this year and attended a couple of QA talks. And there was a, there, there's still a lot of, you know, get into QA. It's just a job that you get into to get into the industry, but you don't stick around in QA. It's the same sort of mindset that was around back then. And, you know, it's, it's still not a bad way to get your feet wet in the industry. Um, but there, there's still a lot, a lot more that I see of different departments respecting the things that QA can do, respecting what they know. I mean, um, Rue, you and I know an engineer who kind of made his career uh, by listening to QA because other people weren't listening to QA as much. So he always knew what was going on. He knew all the dirt. Right. But that particular and this is a huge thing that I think was the biggest turnaround, at least for me, from going especially from console to mobile was the engineers are right there with QA. That's huge. At a, the big place we all used to work at, or, you know, the engineers are in a totally different building. You know, and I had to videotape my bugs that, you know, <laughs> here's another thing we had to be careful. You write up the bug, they send back the bug, and, you know, here's your engineer telling you, hey, you're an idiot. There's no bug there. We don't see it. <laughs> Literally, they call you an idiot. And so the war and the fight is on. Who is this guy? You know, when you write back and, you know, you tell him, go, you know, go suck it long and suck it hard, pal. I got the <laughs> bug in the proof right here. And then you start exchanging some, you know, right there. And, you know, either producers or leads, you know, might see it and, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it comes to an end. But once the engineers are in the pit with you and they see what you do, how you test, and they can see the bugs and stuff and how you are, that saves so much time, so much headaches and arguing. That's a big, big thing, I think. And they, you know, oh, yeah. and they know what we're doing. Well, we're not just pushing buttons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it I, makes I can, a huge difference. Yeah, I, I and I've I've worked in it. That's not strictly a mobile thing, but it definitely makes a big difference. I mean, right now I, I I'm working 
at a place where we work with a lot of offshore stuff. Well, not necessarily offshore, but definitely like, well, yes, offshore. It's like all different. It is offshore. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I mean, not well, easy. There, there's, there's like not too far away. There's different parts of the state. There's different states in the country. There's different continents. There's different countries on the kind like we, we work with people all over the place. And just because of that separation, it does cause a lot of, yeah, they need to, they need us to capture a video or they need us to get a log or, I mean, again, nowadays there's generally a lot more respect and there's less, uh, <laughs> certainly less overt hostility when you're pointing out a bug. There's less, oh, you're stupid. You don't know what this is. Um, uh, and, and I think, you know, it's just been a long process of realizing that just because someone's QA and they may not require like a college degree to do this doesn't mean we're stupid. It doesn't mean, you know, we're just monkeys that are here and just do random stuff to, to try to, you know, plop out something that you might be able to insult instead of fix or something like that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, you know, you say don't have a college degree. I like that. When you say that, though, here you are. Whether you have it or not, you still have to have sense. You have to know your shit. You have to know what to do when you're testing, especially as a lead, even a Q, you know, even an AL. Because, you know, here you are, and it, it occurred to me on one project one time, and, you know, it was a high-level project um, where everybody's just on you, on you, on you. We got to meet this date. You know, you're doing 12-hour days. And then they throw in your face, you do know this is a multi-million dollar project. Well, buddy, thank you for telling me that. Like, I didn't know. That, you know, and he's all... And then he told me, like, you know, I went to college all these years, and, you know, I don't want to lose my job. And, like, you know, like, they don't, they didn't think you were taking it serious. And I'm like, hey, I didn't go to college, but I have common sense, bud. I, I kind of know what to do here and how big it is, you know. And, oh, that used to frustrate the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, it's just assuming you're an idiot and you don't understand how, like, scope and scale and importance works. It's like, it's like treating you like you, you go home and watch Sesame Street to learn what the word important means. I did you know, watch Sesame Street. <laughs> well, I think I well you too. got a little one. I think we all did. And cartoons. I make no oh, bones about. Oh. You used to watch, yes. <laughs> but uh, no, I you said you do, do it now. I do. I think that's interesting. Oh, I, I watch cartoons still, too. You know, but, With or without kids, cartoons. I give, yeah. Both. Both. <laughs> right. <laughs> um. But uh, one thing that's interesting about you know the degree is that uh, in QA back when I started it, it didn't matter because you know what there, there was no degree for QA so you could have a degree you can you could have gone to college for whatever but it didn't really matter anyway because there was nothing that was going to prepare you for QA. That's not <laughs> hold on, wait a second that's not true that's not true really? don't you remember there was a QA commercial I'm dead serious it was like in the 80s or 90s. Look it up on YouTube. Are, are you talking serious. about the tighten up the graphics? I don't. I don't. I'm telling you, there was. Do you want to? Do you want a career in video games? I'm dead serious. Look that it you up on get, YouTube. That you could get a degree for? I don't know what the hell it was. I, 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 I think it's. I think you're talking about that old, um, that old college uh, uh, commercial. The it was you know. 
Uh, are you guys finished working on that game? I got another one that needs to get designed. We're almost done. We have to tighten up the graphics on level three. Blah, blah, blah. It might be. It might yeah. be. It sounds familiar. Oh, God. Yeah, that's oh. out there. That that one that one was... Marco, uh, you got to look that up, buddy. I have <laughs> some laughs. Right Please do. <laughs> it was hilarity, buddy. Oh, my Lord. When I said that, when I saw that, I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. That could have been back if I was a kid. That could have been 1-900 number. I would have called that something. <laughs> <laughs> Over. Get me in. Yeah. I think well, I found it. Yeah. Is that the one yeah. I think it is? Yep. Yep. There's <laughs> like two guys sitting on a couch. <laughs> Yep. Oh my god! Uh, oh, yeah, I couldn't believe somebody showed me. I was like, "No way!" And they showed me. Well, that, I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, that one I'm pretty sure was a scam. But uh, it, and I know that. Oh god, Westwood Marco, College. you sound like you're in pain. Westwood College. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Interesting. Are they still around? I would like to know if they, because I damn well could be the dean of that st- that school right now. <laughs> well, the, I mean, okay, so there, the, the, back in the day, you had offers like that that I, I am reasonably confident in saying were scams, and there was a period where, you know. Colleges started thinking, you know, maybe we can start offering classes on how to do this because a lot of people are learning comp sci to learn how to do this. So maybe we should try figuring out how to focus on game engineering and game design. And I know there was a period of time where I was interviewing people who had like game design classes on their resume and they, they were from, you know, more like a Cal Academy of the arts type stuff. Yeah, art Institute. And, yeah. Uh, and they started coming in with all kinds of wrong-headed assumptions about how things work. It was, it was a little weird. It got to the point where we were looking at those credentials and it was actually a strike against you because we would have had to deprogram you to be able to make something useful out of you. Um, mm-hmm. I can believe that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't... Marco, I know you saw those. Do you remember some of Because cause people were coming in thinking like, uh, uh, I want to say it's like QA would be a, a direct stepping stone to design or something like that. You uh, mean yeah. a, a stepping stone to get higher up into art and design, stuff like that? No, yeah, like like not like an incremental higher up type thing. It was like they, they thought they would be helping design and would be like a producer oh, in a I know year what you're or talking about like that. You know, so they they kind of they kinda of had an impression of a ladder that had maybe a, a quarter as many rungs as it should have had. Mm-hmm. I well, think it I depends. know what you're talking about. It depends where you're at. I mean yeah. uh, embedded QA at, at like a at a development studio or something like that might might have that you know the uh, the opportunity to do something like that, but might have the QA. opportunity, but it's not going to be industry wide. I mean, I remember the impression that I got was that these people were told how to advance in the industry by academics who hadn't been in the industry, which gives you a kind of a warped impression. Mm-hmm. So. Well, if you all recall where we all met at a certain company, I don't know if you were there or not, Marco, but. There was a guy who thought he was going to be doing art along with the testing. 
and he has some <clears throat> interesting art to hang up to show people as you're walking into the kitchen, which was not the most uh, appropriate. But, you know, and that guy, you know, got pissed off when he found out, like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. Well, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you better do your, you know, studying and stuff like that before you go. And, you know, this is what I'm going to do when it might not be. Mm-hmm. Most of the mm-hmm. time it's not, you know. Well, that's why in an interview, t- you got to ask, too. <laughs> you generally get asked if you have any questions and uh that's a good how opportunity. Many t- how that. many times do they ask the right questions, though? I mean, come on. I Not wish many. they would. Uh-huh. Not many, but I always give a person a chance to. I want them to, you know, shock me with the, a valuable question that you know might have an impact on their their job or their life. But uh, I always that's give people of, that opportunity. Yeah, that's one of the tricky parts with testers because a lot of the time, because they're just kind of a you know practical reality here is that there's a lot of people who will apply to a tester spot to not many spots available so you got kind of a supply and demand problem when it comes to how much you can demand and pay for your services i say that having already said you know if you're good at something never do it for free so i you know it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to to get to a position where you are obviously worth what you are actually worth um but uh, 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 damn it, I lost my point. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, uh, so it's it's tricky for a tester to do this in an interview, but in the interview process, the applicant really needs to be interviewing the potential employer as well. It should be a two-way street because you don't want to, if you have any choice in the matter, you don't want to be working for a place that would be uncomfortable for you. And nor would they want to hire you if you're a bad fit for them. So it it really needs to be a two way exchange there. It's well, just I think that, we've all turned down jobs that we knew was not going to be for us, even though they offered it. I know I've done that three or four times easily. Hmm. I have. I'd like to name that. the. I'd love to name the companies. They were <laughs> you because you know you know what kind of people they're going to be. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say they represent the whole company. But if you know you're going to be working with that individual that's interviewing you, nah, deuces. <laughs> good, <laughs> good luck to you. Yeah, and and at the same time, you you got to think that the people performing the interview are are you know if the company is cohesive enough, uh, the people conducting the interview should have had there there should have been some decision making in in who is the type of person who's going to be conducting the interview and thus should be to some extent seen as representative of the company. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember a certain PM that interviewed me and I could tell that he had changed since I had interviewed him. And if I didn't know everybody else at the company or a few people, I would have said, you know, good riddance. I mean, you have to, you do, you have to ask the right questions. And it's important, especially as QA. Like I said, you're in with these people all day long. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it can be tricky. Even if it's it a small tricky. office. Yeah. You know, you um, could be two cubes away. Hmm. Or in the same cube, depending on the, 
Uh-huh. Out and so, yep. Yep. That's right. And it sucks. But, you know, like I said, you got to – and the only reason I say it's important not to go work with a company that you know is not going to be the fit for you, and especially in QA – let me rephrase that. In gaming, it is such a small community that – who are we kidding? If everybody was to hear our name, especially Rue, how many gaming company – they could figure out who the hell we are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we're anonymous. We could wear our, you know, those those plastic masks. Hmm. But, you know, if you get a bad rep in that industry, you're not going to be working there long. Nobody's going to hire true. you. Yeah, yeah because it, people jump around from company to company. So pretty much mm-hmm. everywhere is everyone in everyone at any game company has worked at at least three others. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, I think the only game company I've yeah, the only game company I've worked at that I didn't already know somebody there was the first one. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Is that mine? <laughs> yeah, it had to be mine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. That was uh, yeah. It's it, it the the string of my employment is almost mind boggling when you consider how much. Chance and yet knowing people is involved, and yeah, it's it's a surprisingly small industry. I mean, there there's still there's thousands of people into it, and I, I, I like I said, I went to GDC, I went to the Game Awards show that the 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 center was filled with thousands of people, but still, I mean, if you stick around long enough, you're you're gonna you're gonna see the same faces. Yeah. It kind of it kind of makes it uh, 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 brings to mind the old phrase, you know, be nice to the people you see going up because there's the same people you're going to see going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even even at huge conventions like E3, I went to you know E3 this year, and uh, I probably saw you know four or five people that I used to work with from different companies, you know, <laughs> well, easily, yeah. yeah. I, and I've run into multiple people that that uh, I've worked with. At uh, oh wait, there was another. Yeah, there's at least three people that I can recall off the top of my head that I've run into at GDC. Mm-hmm. And these are, you know, there's like thousands and thousands of people there. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. oh, that's crazy. But uh, yeah, um, we 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 we've talked about a whole bunch of horror stories, but still, I think the general trend is that there's more and more respect coming to QA as time goes on. You know. Pay rates creep up, and uh, uh, people start getting more respectful of of uh, uh, time and effort required, and kind of understanding the scope of of what uh, QA brings to projects. And and um, I mean, it's 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 not nowadays. It's still not where I think it it should be, kind of on an industry wide level. Um, I do think that you should be able to. Uh, nurture, be more open to nurturing people in long-term forms of employment. Um, uh, even now, like, there's a lot of, you know, our, for those of us who make hiring choices, there's a lot of time our hands are tied because we have, say, headcounts or budgets that we're limited to. And like I said, we, we have more to work with than we used to have. Um, uh, as, the pay rates go up. You have to pay more to stay competitive. You know, it, it and, and it'll keep going that way. Maybe not as fast as I would like, but I, I am grateful to see it going that way. Uh, we are, at least in my experience, 
were not looked at as just faceless drones that you can throw on a project, or at least for the most part. I, I, I might have worked on some projects where that sort of attitude kind of persisted, but uh, I can just write those off as uh, the exception that proves the rule, really. Um, there's sometimes but QA's might... changing, though, too, if you think about it. I mean, hell, who mm-hmm. are we kidding? Black box testers are becoming rare. They yep. want more automation. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you want automation, they are going to pay out the nose. Yeah. And the so, automation can't be, yeah, it's speeds up testing, but it doesn't see the graphic images. It doesn't think like us outside yeah. the box unless you program it. And then you still need a tester and it goes by two, you know, there's all sorts of negative things about the automation testing. But people don't care. They want fast, they want money, and they want it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the, there's definitely a large shift that's going to come up in the future here as more automation testing gets integrated into processes. And uh, I, I am of the opinion right now that automation is best to do, you know, your basic functionality checks on any new build as it comes out, because that will be fast. So hopefully you won't have to reserve that one tester who just does a full playthrough every build that comes through to make sure it's possible. Mm-hmm. Right. That. That might go away, which would be nice. Yeah. I, 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 they're still going to have to do one, at least one playthrough once a week, not on every build, but once a week at the end of the week to make sure everything's fine. Something Mm -hmm. like that. But still, you can, you can do this in a way that you can have like a small team that is, let's say you have two people who are monitoring and updating the automated test plans and they can cover enough of the test cases that way that covers, say, you know, 10 people's worth of work. And I'm just making up numbers for some random-sized project. It'd be a fairly large project there. Uh, that That is helpful to people. And then the idea should be that this frees up more people to do the fun stuff. The stuff that we all want to do when we're testing, which is less test planning, more going in. Breaking of a person's magic tube. I agree. (laughs) I want to be a trouble breaker and break the magic tube. That's right. It is. Uh, Inside jokes, inside jokes. Trouble breaker broke my magic tube. (laughs) Oh, I'm just going to randomly throw out another one that was kind of... uh, from that list is uh, it spreads virally, like with my wife. <laughs> oh, 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 that was boy. from the CEO himself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you realized what he said, and uh, some people got scared when I started laughing when he said that. <laughs> oh my, I, I think I still have that. I, I yeah, we uh, the place where we all work together, we actually maintained a list of strange things people said. I, I know who you had several game. on there. I love I that I list. Somewhere. I <laughs> hope you have that list. <laughs> that was the uh, best list of all times that some of the people had ever came up with because of what they would say. Uh, <laughs> yep, it, it was it was a very colorful office in the best way. In the but best it was way. all the stuff that we said or yep. people had said. It was innocent. But yet, oh, yeah, funny when you looked at it, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I found it hilarious. Oh yeah, oh me. yeah. If if uh, uh, Marco, if you do person, still have that list, please send it out to us. <laughs> oh, a certain person still tells me that Link is better than me. 
occasionally, which I had forgotten about. Uh, uh, when's the last time someone tried to sue science? <laughs> yeah. You can't? I don't know. Ah, you <laughs> geographist. <laughs> okay, I think, uh, I think we've reveled in inside jokes long enough. Uh, Those were great my. days. Yeah, but um, to kind of get it back on topic here, um, there it's, you know, when it comes to automation, there's clearly, you know, growth and expansion coming to QA in video games. There's, and with that comes greater expectation, and that's good. Uh, and like you said, hopefully this means that we actually get to spend more time doing the stuff we really want to do, which is just fucking with it. <laughs> right. I just want to... I just want to get in there and fuck with it because that's part of what I identify as the aptitude for being a tester is is wanting to be the kind of guy who will uh, roll the score over or um, uh, when I used to be in college and I'd play uh, an NES emulator and I'd play Kung Fu and I would just beat the game over and over and over again because I could get away with it with save states, so I didn't actually have to make a mistake. And I watched as the level counter went from 1 to 2 to 3 to 9 to A to B to C to Z to, you know, the main character's head to part of the stage design. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to see if this... I actually, because I heard a rumor that if you got to stage 50, you fought Sylvia instead of Mr. X, so... That didn't happen, and I lost track of what stage I was on. Anyway, it's it, that—that's the kind of thing. It's just like this this need to want to just mess with stuff. Mm-hmm. Ugh. I want to spend more time doing that. And I agree. And I want to do more creative testing. I want to know what happens if you know you tell me I can't do it. Well, let's see if I can. Yeah, exactly. you know. And sometimes and you can. Exactly. And yeah. it's like, well, how'd you do that? It mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to happen. And these are the things that get out that we missed, mm-hmm. you know, because we didn't have time because they want us looking at other things, which, you know, I I understand, you know, but I still want that time because especially, especially in mobile industry, it's so fast. You don't have that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Nick taught me that when I, when you were there, you told me is, hey, we don't have three, six months. You got two mm-hmm. weeks. Well, mm-hmm. how the hell are we supposed to get out something in two weeks? Yeah, granted, it's not as big, but these games nowadays are getting big. They really yeah. are. I mean, these phones, I mean, I think uh Apple's talking about dropping, what, uh, 16 and 8 gigs or something like that and make it 32 and above or something like that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and as the, as the mobile games get bigger, you're your production cycles get back longer too. So right they're, they're, And yeah. then you're going to start looking like you're back on the consoles. And I don't <laughs> care what anybody says. You can put all the automation testing in there in the world. You're still going to have to do black box testing. Always. And, well, yeah, but here's the thing. Now these companies, especially startups, Oh, well the engineers and the, and the receptionists can help. <laughs> yeah, they're not, testers. They're not. And and I that mean, comes back to and that comes back to No Man's Sky, where where it's yeah, there there wasn't enough put onto it. I don't know if they were using automated testing, but one of the weaknesses of that approach is is the same kind of weakness of over test planning because 
it's all based on some preconceived notion of what things should be. And that's going to vary based on the way it's actually implemented. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what that's going to be until it's been implemented by the engineers and in your hand. I mean, no, yeah. And No Man's Sky blew it in the re, you know what No Man's reminds me of is, um, well, you can blurb this out because obviously you told me I'm naming it because I don't care. <laughs> but the perfect example is, in, we told them was Oh, God. That son of a bitch took off. They're thinking, oh, we're only going to have, and we started that on Boost. And they had mm-hmm. 20,000 users sign up, and we crash on Boost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> we're, I'm thinking, holy shit. And we told them, we need to stress test this. You need to put a couple thousands and thousands on there. And I forget the, it was right when I had gotten there. I maybe been there maybe two months. Yeah. I think it, the guy's name was George or something. He was like VP or what something. I don't know. George all I know. Though. Yeah. All yeah. I know is when found out he was hot, as we all know, and mm-hmm. he went in next day. When he found out, and he even went look that he found out, QA even said stress tested all that. George it was, was falling gone. over when he we had done. like twenty people on it, mm-hmm. right? But it, it but well, it, it took it was bigger than we thought. I mean, yeah. nobody was thinking twenty thousand, but had that been, and a lot of people were raving about it. Turn it on; it keeps crashing. It looks fun. We want it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Had that, you know, I'm thinking. Had that taken off and we put that on something like Verizon on these piece of crap phones? Shit, people, we'd be millionaires today. I still regret that 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 we never got that out on a major carrier because that that would have really just skyrocketed that company. There's a lot of design document for that actually. There's there's still there's a lot of things from that company, I'm being dead honest. That we really, really would had we taken the stock, we would they be were, up there. They because were ahead of their time. Know, we were, yeah. hell yeah. And yeah. then you know, no. Okay, first off, we've all heard of Angry Birds, right? <laughs> well, before Angry Birds, which is the exact same thing we were doing, except not in the air, was bouncing. Was mm-hmm. I'm dead serious. I mean, and everybody at the company loved that game. Mm-hmm. Everybody was playing it. Um, they also were, did the first the before <laughs> came out, right? I'm um, gonna have to bleep out so much. That's all right. Oh, it's all right. Sorry. Well, at least because I just want you know. But this is what I'm saying. We had we were ahead of our time. Was right. He just made some bad decisions. You do know. Yeah, it's. It, th- th- there were some bad decisions there. There was a lot of experimentation. There was a lot of stuff that sounded like good ideas that didn't quite work out the way that, you know, you kind of thought because that was when mobile was really, really young and everyone was trying to make a lot of guesses. And, you know, uh, th- and there was other stuff. There was uh, – I'll just name some names too. There was the, the – which was basically yep. Zynga's with friends like years before that came yep. out. Yep. yep. It was basically me, Tomo, like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. It, it, and and it it just goes to show success isn't just the right idea. Uh, right there's time. bits of the right execution. There's bits of timing because I think we were probably about maybe half a beat to a beat and a half in business sense too quick. 
We, we mm-hmm. were there just a bit too early on some of it. Uh, and just actually having the right execution with it was, it wasn't even a QA thing. It wasn't listening to try to get the server better. I've spoken with engineers that were looking at that code afterward and it was just, it, it, that was never going to work. The enti- their entire approach to setting up that server was wrong. It was terrible. It, it, mm-hmm. they, you can't take that approach and get to a functional large scale server. It just wasn't going to scale up, which, Actually, I would say in retrospect kind of makes the success of Pokemon Go all the more dumbfounding because we've seen what happens when something gets big quickly, even though what would be big quickly for was not very big at all, but how that can just make things die. And Pokemon Go, everyone complains about, oh, I got this problem here, I got this problem there. It's like, generally speaking, even at its worst, you were able to... You know, after a couple tries, you could probably get in and play. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who had worse experiences than others, but any time I tried to get in, I pretty much was able to play. I mean, I, I, I ran into a couple issues, too, but it that one got so big so fast, I am just still in awe of what they were able to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I've spoken about that before, but I'll, I'll kind of get off that soapbox now. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, i still rather, yeah. if I could go back in time... That's the one <laughs> company I would save and remove a few people. <laughs> yes. There are a few people there that was, need to go. There was there one was... main one, though. Oh, yes, I know who you like. I, I do. I, I, yes, I was not happy about that either. I was, you and I talked over lunch about that. Mm-hmm. I was pissed. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Is, yeah, that one dude was the, the reason Marco and I left. So, and not well, just us. <laughs> No, no. No. And I went in, at least I'll say this, at least I went into the VP and I voiced my uh, concerns. I was not happy. Matter of fact, I was yelling and he was really cool about it. And that's when he had asked me, and you were still there, Nick, and all that, to become lead. And I said, no way, because I didn't want to deal with that. There was no way I wanted to deal with that dickhead. And I was told I wouldn't have to anymore. Mm-hmm. That's the only way I would take it. And in all fairness, he kept his word because I didn't. Because all he came in and he would do his little crap is say, can we get this done? I would say no. And I told him specifically, make sure it said no. Because I know for a fact he was talked to by HR and that VP in the office one on one to knock that shit off. Mm-hmm. Cause that, that was enough because the receptionist, a tall leggy one, as we all remember, uh, pulled me to a side and showed me and said, come look at this. And they, sh- I was like, so he's in the office. They're probably having a meeting. She goes, no, there's no reason for them to have a meeting. He's getting his ass chewed out because mm-hmm. she too couldn't stand him. Which mm-hmm. I was shocked because she liked everybody. <laughs> yeah, I I really wish I could have stayed there. Honestly, I, I love that company, and yeah. uh, they they really had a lot of good things going. Um, it was that one person though that kind of made it unbearable, and uh, that was enough to do it for me. I, I couldn't work for someone like that. Um, but I love the stuff they do, and you know the the team in uh, overseas the we had people. was great. Um, yeah. a lot of good game designers, and those are the guys that went off and uh, formed. Oh, that pisses me off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 
you know, there was a lot of good talent there. <laughs> um, it's, 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 we worked at a place that is probably the most infinite influential company or has, has the most, um, uh, like progeny, you might say. It's just, it, it, it the, the shades that it casts throughout the industry, it, 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 it just touches so many things and nobody's ever heard of it. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> That's what tips uh. me off and, no, oh, I'm telling you, we would all, it was, it had everything. It really did. It had all the potential in the world. We were ahead of our time. Had that stupid iPhone just came out maybe a year before. They dealt with us secretly even. If they would have just said, hey, we're coming out with this idea. I'm telling you, it would have taken off. We would, it would have been huge and it would still be around today. Yeah. And I would be bossing that certain person around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. But it did have potential. Um, For me, what made that company, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't the games. That actually was, by far, it was the people, the teams, just the work environment. From HR, Recept, everybody... 97% 97% was really cool, just really fun to work with. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think that's enough mourning the company that... <laughs> oh, my. So, um, h- how would you guys... I mean, I've kind of alluded to things being you know, better, and we've talked about some stuff, but how would you guys kind of identify the, the, the QA sort of... Uh, uh, lot in life these days, and, and Rue. I mean, you're 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 in QA, but not exactly in games, or at least not in in you know your standard definition in games. I'm not. It, forgive me. I'm not entirely sure what you're. What I do for a living, I know. Well, I know what you do for a living. I just like the the the, the day to days of it, the exact you know scope well, and definition. Right now, um, as I told you, I was come, I was brought in to write a test plan. From a, a black box test review. That's what I was. And they were going to take that and turn it into automation testing. Now, <laughs> of course, when you have an engineer as your manager, well, that can we don't really need to test that. Well, yeah, you do. You're wanting a black box testing. You got to check it. You know, mm. that's an argument itself. I've done it. You know, he needs to look over it. Um you know, that's basically why I'm doing what I was brought into. Right now, I'm just helping them out, doing with regressions, stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, to tell you the truth, I, you can say, you know, an old QA tester, yeah, I've done it all. I, it's time for me to learn something new. I mean, you know, you're made promises like startup. Hey, we want you to start grow this company. Next thing you know, your uh, producers, two of them that are in the company, leave the company, the company's going bankrupt. Yeah, okay. I lost that battle. Um, you know, you, you need to get that break. Um, do I think you all, you know, you guys both know me. I'm not a yes guy. I'm not going to be a yes guy. It won't happen. I'm going to tell you how it is. I mean, if I don't feel that we need these stupid 16-hour days, we're not going to do them. I'm, I don't want to do them. If you really need it to, I will. But I'm not going to keep my guys here and know that you're not going to get the testing you need. 
um, I'm not going to be a douche either and say, oh, yeah, we'll make it by Friday. And no, we're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, they they're going to they want to hear what they want to hear. You know, that's another thing. I mean, either live with, you know, live with yourself or be the yes guy and, you know, do what you need to do. But nobody's going to respect you in the end. Um, you know, do I regret some things? Maybe. But, you know, I still, like I said, I have to live with myself, and I'm still just a plain old QA lead and test or whatever. Um, I still haven't gotten my stupid manager part or project manager or, you know, production, you know, what I wanted. But I'm still happy, though. At least at least I stand by my guns. I mean, and I'm not, a, like I said, not a backstabber. I'm about QA. I'm not, you know. I, I know this industry inside now, you know, I can't, you know, I can't complain. Do you, do you think you get uh, enough, res- <laughs> this might be a weird question, but you think you get, say, enough respect or more respect than, than you used to get, say, uh, oh, yeah. 10 years ago? Yeah, 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 definitely. Because, uh, like I said, the, what it used to be back then, no, it's uh, compared from, that time and this time is night and day. You definitely get a lot more respect. And um, I'd say, and when I say a lot more, it's great, but you still have companies thinking you're a QA. People can still do your work. We'll just, you know, we don't need to hire you full time. And then, you know, I, I'll tell you a perfect example is a certain girl whose name begins with G. Oh, I think I know what you're getting at here. Was not liked at one company. Marco, you can follow me on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she came to ours. I liked the interview. She knew all her shit. And actually, and this is Oscott truth, one of the best testers I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, I got all the negative stuff. And like I said, it's a small industry, and I hadn't heard at that time about her which was good, but then again, it was good because I hired her, and she was, she was, she was damn good. I could see where the problems lie, but mm-hmm. in QA, you know it, I know it. Sometimes, if one, if you got a good person, and a damn good tester, and they don't work out on your team, before I fire them, and uh, I know Marvin was a perfect example if he's not going to work out on your team, I know damn good and well he could work out on somebody else's team probably better. Mm-hmm. Or a person next to him. But he would fit in still at this job. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you just have to go, you know, go with the flow. And, you know, it paid off. It paid off for me. Um, yeah. You know, um, was there difficulty? Sure. But that type of mentality or person who sort of had a chip on their shoulder I can deal with that. I'll take care of it. You know, that's me. And I did. And we talked it out. And 98% of the time, good as gold. No mm-hmm. problems. And, you know, who are we kidding? You, me, tell me one of us who has not had a bad time or a bad day in fucking QA. And we just weren't. It just, somebody just pissed in our Cheerios. <laughs> just Can't sucks. tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know that talking about that particular person i agree one of the best testers uh i've ever seen as far as testing goes mm-hmm. 
had some issues with personality fit in the department, and it's not right. even it's not even necessarily a hundred percent their fault because the the former manager that was oh yeah at the time enabled uh-huh. that behavior in that person oh yeah, yeah. and let it yes. go and enabled I, it. I, so I, I think I'm just gonna uh, to headline this this section this this Miss G. This is um we I I. Ha- all three of us have been associated with this, and this is going to be kind of the end of the episode story from our our experience in the industry where uh, Marco and I were working with her at one point. And yes, it was uh, certainly a fair amount of it had to do with the manager at the time where I – and this was, from my perspective, an example of how if you if you take the – sort of interpersonal dynamic as a given how someone can be more trouble than they're worth, uh, in a sense, because there was, I don't know, I, I, she and the manager were talking for, I don't know, maybe a half hour every day or something like that. Do you remember Marco? I know. And I know it was a lot. Well, every, I mean, in the, in the office and then every smoke break. So yeah. Oh, geez. Talking as in getting in trouble or talking as in friends. Probably yeah. talking in the sense of trying to smooth things over. Yeah. Hmm. Like, uh, uh, you know, trying to, to, you know, cool her down or something like that. And I remember. Oh, uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see where, I see where you're going with it. And yes, I had somewhat of that problem once, but as, again, as, a, and it, it depends how, who the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have more patience than, say, Nick when it comes to to that, or I'm more of a people person than that. Let me deal with it, and let me decide if, especially if they're under me. Once I had my encounter with, you know, Miss G, we went into the room. She told me the point, and I think you both know, and Miss G now knows, I'm blunt. And I'm straight to the point. Enough's enough. I won't have it. I'm not going to sit here every half hour in a break if that's what's happened or in the office. That's it. Drop it. You build them up. You tell them they're good things. And then you tell them this is the shit that's keeping you from getting full time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you got to, you know, have patience. At least, and she even said, I respect you because you, you're forward. You're not candy coating it. And that's what you had to do, you know. Yeah. Tears were shed, not by me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but in the end, and I mean this highly, the best tester I've ever had, and just, she was. She was really, at least to me, she was nice to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, she didn't backstab me. She was, you know, always, you know, she stood up for me when a certain manager kind of got on me. Um, You know, uh. I'm not, you know, that's just the way it was. And I, I think she's, uh, she's one of the best testers. And it's not, you know, you can say guys all you want. She is one of the best testers I've ever fucking seen, if not the best. I mean, she just, she's now an AP, I hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You and, know, I, and, I, oh, good. Good. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I'm glad that, that it, it's turned around for her because, you know, there were a number of, you know, various 
you know, personal behavioral whatever issues when Marco and I were with her. And I, um, Marco, jump in here if if I'm kind of jumping ahead uh, for whatever you wanted to say. But I believe the kind of breaking point with uh, with her where we were at was uh, when and I think it was an assistant lead spot opened up and we were kind of. Uh, talking to people uh, in the department to determine who might be a good fit for it. And she applied and wasn't accepted and did not take it well and wound up starting chewing out the manager, like yelling at him or something. And that was just, you know, a bridge too far. I can. And yeah, and that's, that's not appropriate. And, you know, you do something like that. The manager should have just said, you know, what it is is what it is. And, you know, be blunt and straight with it. Um, mm-hmm. I know Miss G at that time was also super young, wasn't mm-hmm. even 21 at the time. So maturity had to be there, you know, too. Yeah. Um, so that went against her. So, but again, it's, I, I think this is a true true saying is you better know 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 who's around you know know your audience because you came up at me like that and i know either of you were that if she came at you like that there's the door go mm-hmm. I, i'm not going to put up with it i'm not going to kiss your ass you're a great tester yeah but you're going to come at me no no uh-uh, that's not going to happen and i you know i was blunt yeah you have to be like i said build them up show them their strong points but her and i were a good fit i mean i liked her sense of humor she liked my sense of humor you know i expected a lot of work from her done and she expected me to back her up if you know you especially as a lead when he this is the hardest part for lead but when something fucks up you miss a bug or something happens you know that manager doesn't go to my team that manager comes to me it's my responsibility it's my fault, not the team's fault. I'll deal with the team. And, you know, uh, there was uh, another manager at the old company we were at um, who went to her to because she had missed something. <clears throat> and I was in a conference room. Once I came out, I was on the tail end. And I said, what was this about? And he says, well, I asked her to do something. I said, well, what was it? And... He, you know, he told me, I said, well, you should ask me because I had him doing it already. He'd already done it. Uh, I can't name names, obviously. Um, and <clears throat> I said, the other thing is, was if you have, he did something wrong, you need to come to me and ask me before even talking to her. Yeah, we're, you, it goes in, this is the hardest thing to learn. That I, and especially with all our, you know, what that one particular problem person we had is the chain of command. Mm-hmm. You, that, that is a big rule we should all follow. I mean, that is huge. Yeah, because, it, it, because things get missed. If you, if you start jumping those things, you know, from lead to say <clears throat> VP, which, you know, in a small company, then how the hell is anybody gonna know? You know, your the man, you know, VP comes to manager. Well, I didn't know about this. Well, this, this, and this. Well, there's more to it. There's a lot more to it in the story. You know, and uh, that just frustrates me. So, yeah, don't it, it, follow the chain of command. 
Yep. yep. And hopefully there is a chain of command. I mean, that was part of the issue. Going back to our company that we were all at, uh, oh. our, our command was gone, and they didn't want to fill it. <laughs> and uh, so the supervisors didn't really have anyone to back them up. Uh, See, that's and, bullshit. Yeah. So we had a bunch of supervisors and no manager and uh, no one to stick up for us. So that, that led to some issues. But going back to this person, um, you know, I, I never had a personal issue with her uh, yeah. at all. Um, I thought she was a good tester. And she didn't come at me the way she would go at the manager uh, ever. Um, I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, so... You know, I didn't have that issue. Um, it's unfortunate that it happened. But like you said, she was young and uh, people learn. People do change and mature. And I'm happy. I'm happy for her. If she's doing better and she's successful, I'm extremely happy. And I hope that, you know, she learned from it. Um, I had a very similar situation with uh, somebody else that was in that. Nick, uh, we, we had some issues with and um, had he some did life. not learn from it. I'm pretty sure I know who you're talking about. No, 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 no. Somebody that did. Oh, Somebody that did. oh okay. That's actually, it's, it's um, you know. Well, you can say name. They can always erase it. Uh, starts, starts with a B. Uh, ah, yes. Sounds no, like, I know who you're talking about. Sounds now. like Ryan. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, starts with a B, issue. but sounds like Ryan. That's the best. <laughs> I'm sure you can do that. But, uh, anyway, had some issues, had some write-ups, um, got demoted once, ended up leaving, I think, or or, um, but actually came back recently uh, to to the same company, and you know came back as a tester, is now a supervisor. And, you know, I I interviewed him when he came back and he was nervous as hell because he's like, oh, man, there's no way I'm getting this job, you know, because because this is the guy that, you know, had to write me up and stuff like that for things in the past. But you know what? I could tell he changed. I could tell he had matured. He had been at a couple of different companies and he said, you know, he learned a lot that his experiences here before, you know, uh, he learned from and I could tell he meant it. And now, you know, now he's a supervisor here. Um, and doing well. So it makes me extremely happy to see that. You know, I'm glad that, you know, these people learned from what they did before and are able to, you know, better themselves and, uh, you know, be successful still in the industry. Well, but here's my question to you. Well, two questions. Well, were you the one that wrote them up? Yes. Okay. Now, okay. And now here's my other question to it then. How many years had you been in QA dealing with this, seeing this and realizing like, and you knowing like this guy has changed. How many years have you been in the industry when this happened? Uh, let's see, it was five or oh wait, no, no, no. Actually, that's that's when I started working. Uh, this was this was two years ago. So that's oh shit. Uh, well, uh, so a lot of years. How okay? Yeah, and this is so, and I mean, this like, is. Right. Over ten, over 10 years. <laughs> well, okay, over 10 years. Okay, you and I have seen it all. Now mm-hmm. get somebody who has been in the industry, say, three years and is a lead or a supervisor, two years. Mm-hmm. You think they're going to give that person another shot? No, no, Probably because they'll not. hold – no. Yeah. No, because you. this is what I mean. It's important to get people who know the industry, know the people, know the attitudes – Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are people there that didn't want to hire him. HR saw that 
that higher recommendation come through? I said yes, and HR had an issue, but I told him, you know, like, hey, this is not the same person, you know, this is really changed, and uh, we got him in, and you know what, he's doing well. Couldn't be happier. Right, and that's what I mean. It, it you know, like, let's take, for example, I, 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 this is how important I wish come. Unfortunately, at that point, their recorder kind of crashed, but fortunately, we were about to wrap up anyway. I'd like to thank Marco and Rue for joining us this time. And if there's anything anyone out there would like to hear us talk about on Behind the Line Radio or see me write about on the Behind the Line article series, drop me a line at kinetic at enthusiax.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiax.com. And I'll see you next time, everybody. Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, Let's Plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs. Enthusiacs.